Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I am your host, Brian Sim, with co-host Stephen Wilson. Stephen, how you doing, my man? Man, I am wonderful. The weather has changed. Now look, we're coming off of some, some terrible weather down in South Alabama this past week, but Outside of that, man, the weather around Alabama is amazing. The temperatures have dropped. It is fall. I'm telling you, spirits are all-time high. On top of that, we are making the year, man. out of some deer feed right now. I mean, running and gunning. My guys are killing it out there. But the weather, on top of that. Makes you want to leave work, doesn't it? The combination of how beautiful the weather is, how great the temperatures are, and how how much feed we're making. I'm a happy fellow. You're on cloud nine, bro. Man. Well, let's be happy and do a I, podcast today. Absolutely. I got my dot mountain dew. I mean, I am loving today. Best day I've had in a long time. Man, that's awesome. Well, we've got some great guests lined up today. We're going to be going down to the Mobile Delta here for a while and hearing about how it's affected Crazy. everything with the storm Crazy. coming through there. So I'm looking forward to that segment. But first, man, let's go to Logan Martin. Joey, are you on there? Yes, sir, I am. Yeah. Hi, Joey. What's up, man? Not much, Stephen. How's it going? So good, guys. We got Joey Nania on today. He is a guy that mainly Logan Martin, but he he uh, runs up and down the Coosa system. Uh, can catch him on any any part of it. Joey, it's been a while since we've had you on. So glad that you're on. How you doing, brother? I've been doing good. You know, I've, I've got to fish a Bassmaster Open over in Texas, which was fun, and did decent in that one. And then uh, I'm actually here in Wash. I was home for a little bit. And then now I'm at my uh, visiting visiting family in Washington State, which is a lot of fun. So absolutely, I know big ones up here in the North Country. But I've been keeping an eye on Logan and the rest of the Coosa while I've been here for sure. Well, let's deviate a little bit because I know I know you're originally from from the the North Wisconsin area. Is that correct? I'm actually from Washington. Washington. Um, but yeah, Washington State, Spokane area, over by Idaho. Botch that but, one. Uh, you know, moved to the south about ten years ago. It's all, it's all good. I go to Wisconsin every year for vacation. Okay, so that so makes you, sense. You go to Wisconsin. That's it. You it's, knew there was a Wisconsin. Oh, in oh yeah, I follow it because because every summer he yeah. goes up there and the homeboy be just hammering them, hammering them, and not only top, but I mean, a lot of fish. He catch a lot of fish up there this time of year. It's it's a beautiful thing. So let's deviate. We're gonna get back to Logan Martin because I know. I mean. You could not go there for a month and still know where every school of fish is. So we'll get back to that. Yeah. But so tell yeah. us, Washington, this time of year, it's it's beautiful. The weather's amazing. The fish are biting. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Paint a picture up there. Maybe somebody down yeah, up here will decide for, to to go on a vacation yeah. to Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. For just a quick fantasy of what it's like up here in Washington right now. I mean, the water, the weather is beautiful. The water's like sixty-five degrees. And uh, what I've been doing to catch them is I've been fishing deep grass line. And the lake that I live on is full of weed beds, but there's different types of vegetation out there in that deep water. And what I've been throwing is a football jig. And then I've also been throwing a, uh, it's called a pro bullets with a bang sticks on it. And I've been fishing that through the grass and just fishing that worm through the grass. And I actually had 24 pounds yesterday doing that. Wow. It was pretty awesome. 24 yeah. pounds <laughs> in Wisconsin. That's solid. Uh, in Washington. Sorry. Oh, yeah, right? Wait, you're yeah, in, Washington in Washington or what? Yeah. He's in Washington. You're in yeah, Washington. I'm in Washington. See, that's why yeah. my brain, that's this, big, this, it's this a is a big bag in Washington. This is making more sense now because homeboy's done. Yeah, I'm in Washington. He's in Washington. He's in Washington. And he's catching 24 pounds. 
Yeah, 24 pounds of largemouth out there in one. I found an area that's got milfoil mixed in, and that, that's what I've been catching them on. It's kind of hard to leave it to come back home, but Alabama's definitely firing up too. So. Yeah, so are you fishing a, a reservoir river system, a private lake? What? How did you find 24 pounds in Washington State? In Washington State. State. <laughs> I live on a, a small, or I lived on a small lake. My parents still live on it, and uh, it's like two miles long and a mile wide. And it's a natural lake formed by a glacier a long, long time ago, but it's not super deep. It's only like 25 feet deep at the deepest, mm-hmm. but it's got several bays and a marshy area and uh, some lily pads and a lot of vegetation around the banks and some cliffs. And those big fish, what I'm doing is I'm out in the middle of one of those biggest bays where the marsh is. Mm-hmm. So you can picture maybe, you know, several hundred, maybe a thousand fish might spawn in that bay in the spring. And so anytime you can find something that's out in the center of a bay or the center of a pocket, or something that where, you know, fish funnel to it that has that big structure that's not normal, which the milfoil is not a normal thing. There's there's not very many milfoil patches on the lake. That's the key. Those fish have funneled out there to that 17-foot milfoil, and uh, there's just big ones roaming around in it, and you just got to pluck around in it until you get them to bite. So, you know, when you're up in, in Washington, I'm just trying to compare this because I've never fished in, in that area, obviously, and I know that, that here in the south, our, our, our bass get pretty big. But yeah. you know, when you catch an eight-pound bass on Logan Martin, you're, you're fired up. You're like, this is a, a oh, yeah. trophy class. That doesn't happen often. No, or, or even a seven there. If, mm-hmm. what, what's that compared to in Washington State? Our fish, honestly, like my biggest bag on this, my home lake I live on is 29.15 on five fish. And uh, that day we caught two bags, actually. We caught 25.15, and then we had our 26.15, and then 23.4, and our best five together would have been 29.15. And that was both in like two hour trips. And that was on a deep grass line too, but a different area, but which I haven't been catching them at this year. But a five pounder is a big one. We had a five eight yesterday, a five, two four eights, and then a, several, like probably four others over three. So, I mean, we just had a crazy bag. <laughs> it was a pretty uh-huh. awesome day. And I was actually doing a guide trip too. So, and you guys can see that on my Instagram, all the pictures I've been posting from up here. They're pretty cool on my Joey Fishing Instagram and Facebook. Heck I've been yeah. trying to keep everybody updated. All right, yeah, so now you're guiding up there. Are you foreshadowing here, Joey? Are you are you leaving us, man? Are you- no, I'm not leaving. I just okay. like to come here a couple of weeks a year, and, and it's actually kind of cool. I've actually got a buddy that guides for me while I'm out of town, my buddy Zeke Gossett. I know and, Zeke, uh, yeah. Yeah, so Zeke will he'll guide for me back in Alabama when I'm gone, and that's a good thing for him to get to do and helps it if i got somebody that has a very tight schedule and yeah. wants to go while I'm out of town, he can pick up the trip for me back home. That's amazing. So, well, is, so is sorry. Is he is Zeke still in school, or is he out of school and guiding full time? Or what is he doing now? Gossett's still in school, and then uh, we're still fishing the Silicon Marine Trail together, which is an awesome tournament trail with good payout. And so, we've actually done really good in those this year. That's Back in awesome. Bama, and we got a championship coming up soon. Nice. Yeah, I got the Silicon Championship. But yeah, he's still going to school and guiding, and for me, and then just kind of fishing his college tournaments and doing all that. That's amazing, man. So working our way back across the country. So you're in, you're in Washington. You've recently been in Texas on Lake Sam Rayburn fishing the, the Bass Opens. Tell us quickly what, what was going down, because that was just last week or the week before that. So it's still in this season. What was going on on Sam Rayburn? And then let's, let's jump to Logan Martin. What, what was going yeah. on on Sam Rayburn last week? So the key with Rayburn for winning was fishing brush. And uh, mm-hmm. I had a brush pattern going, but I didn't fully commit to it. Mm-hmm. You know, what I ended up doing was catching fish on a jerkbait early in the morning. And I found that pattern first day of, the, of practice. 
No, but I was focusing on uh, suspended fish and fish on jerkbait. And I uh, first thing in the morning, I picked up a jerkbait on the dam. The wind was blowing in on it. And mm-hmm. that's a trick that I've learned across the Coosa River in the fall. And so I picked up that deeper diving jerkbait, started throwing it along the riprap, and I caught one after like three casts. And I recently got pan optics, so I could see these fish. I could see like schools of five to ten of them, and they would just come ripping out, and you'd rip that jerkbait over their heads, and you could see them just shoot up and attack it. So that's kind of what I targeted. And then I was also fishing suspended fish, which was pretty cool. And that's something I've never really put into a game plan in a tournament. With that pan optics, I could see those fish out there in like 30 feet of water, and you could see the difference in a ball of bait and a ball of bass and like a pod of three to 10 bass. Mm-hmm. And so I was just really, that's really was my main deal. And I could catch like 12 to 13 pounds doing that, but I kind of needed that brush deal to, to pick up to be able to have a shot at winning. I never got a bite in the brush on day one. And that kind of threw me off. And so I just mm-hmm. stuck with my guns and caught 12 and a half pounds a day and went from there. Yeah. Well, the brush always comes into play. It seems like on Rayburn, especially certain spring and fall. And uh, I love fishing that lake. It's a, it's a great fishery. A lot of good grass. Yeah. It was kind of weird. I never got on the grass deal and I never got on, I got on the brush deal in practice one day and I had probably 30 piles and I ran through all 30 of those piles on the first day of the tournament after I already had like 12 pounds in the boat. And I caught a limit at like 730. I had a limit on the jerk bait and I went through all my brush and never got a good bite. And it was really frustrating, but I believe 100%, if I could have learned something from it, it was that you really, really had to do it all day to catch five good ones doing it. And there was little bite windows, you know, with that brush bite. You weren't going to catch 30 fish a day doing it for the most part. You were going to get five to 10 quality bites if you did it all day. I think my timing was just wrong. I got a buddy that on day one, he had 12 pounds. Day two, he only had like eight pounds at 12 o'clock and he rolled back through the same piles and cut 18 pounds. So, Good gracious. You know, that was kind of eye opening. It's like, man, you just got to really, really commit to the brush deal to make it work over there at Rayburn. Yeah. Well, talk a little about the, the so, pan optics that you were talking about that you recently started using. Explain that deal to me. Yeah, that's been by far the biggest game changer I've ever seen. Like I literally saw 60 or 70% of the fish that I caught in the tournament weighed in. I saw them before I caught them. It was kind of nuts. I was also catching them on a Ned Miki, which is, um, I was throwing the, uh, the new Z-Man finesse, uh, I think it's the finesse eyes and, uh, their little finesse eyes jig head looks like a little shad head and it's got eyes on it. And I'm putting this, I was putting the streaks 375 behind it. And if they wouldn't eat the jerk bait, I could pitch that over into the balls of them and the pods of them and just chase them on the pan optics. And I uh, catch them doing that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So just kind of cruising around. And that's been, I mean, it is such a game changer. Have you guys used it yet? No, I have not. I, I, I only when I'm on other people's boats. I don't have it on mine, but it, it is. It, that technology is crazy. I so mean, how far ahead of you can you see the face? Uh, you can set it to different so, different distances. What yeah. What is it on yours? Um, Realistically, with a medium-sized bait or a small-sized bait, you can see the bait once you get it out about 60 feet from the boat. And I have mine set on 90. Set it on 90, keep an eye out, and I just pan all over the place and just chase those bait balls and chase those balls of fish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was also fishing the brush like that, too. And, like, for brush fishing, it's dumb. Like, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I mean, you just you see the pile exactly. You watch your bait fall into the pile. You see the fish chase your bait to the pile. It's pretty wild. You and can that's the actually see your bait on there and oh, watch yeah. it. That's, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I- yeah, my next boat will have it on it, no doubt. Yeah, you just have to <laughs> at this point. It's like, mm-hmm. I honestly believe you really. It's one of those things that if you want to compete and travel and, and have no disadvantages whatsoever – you should really, you just kind of have to have it, you know? Well, you really have to, because if you think about it, and Joe, you've probably, probably seen this even in your young career, since topography maps and electronics got so advanced 10, 15, 20 year 
span that people have gotten so good at reading topography lines, finding ledges, finding humps, all that stuff. That's that's kind of like old school now. That's been beat up. Yeah. For the last 15, 20 years because people have gotten so good because the chips, the lake map chips have gotten so, so advanced. Now this, yeah. you almost have to go real time to find that yep. next little niche, that next little school of fish or, or, or brush pile like you're talking about that's not, not on the maps these days. And so yep. almost the way of finding good drop-offs or good humps using topography I mean, that's, that's now obsolete if you really want to compete. You have to have this real-time live imaging and go out and find these fish that people aren't finding. Yeah, it's true. You, I mean, you just you watch them swim. You watch how they react to your bait and tell if they're bass. I mean, it's just it's pretty nuts. The jerkbait thing was the coolest deal. And what the crazy thing about the whole tournament to me was that, that pattern for, with the jerkbait worked every single morning of practice that I tried it. And I tried it three out of the five mornings I practiced. Mm-hmm. And I would try it on different areas. I'd go to completely different points with the wind blowing across them or whatever, different rock stretches. And I'd catch fish like crazy, you know, and have a limit in 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And sure enough, on the second day of the tournament, I go throwing that jerkbait around and I could see pods of fish. They would come up, look at the bait and never, never commit to it. And oh, I'm wow. like, come on, why? I'm like, mm-hmm. why did this not hold out? You know, mm-hmm. so I ran that pattern for a while. I managed to catch one two and a half pounder and one 12 incher. And the two and a half pounder was hooked outside the mouth. And so was the 12 incher. And I'm like, this is just not happening. I did it for like three hours just thinking I'd run into some active ones. And it just yeah. never happened. So I was like, well, I'm just going to start catching suspended ones. And I pulled up on the outsides of those points. And uh, anytime you have a lack of flow, and it's, you know, late summer, it was hot over there. The water was still in the mid eighties. Those fish just spend out there in that clear water and chase bait. And they would come up busting occasionally. And I caught it. I did catch a three and a half pounder on day two. They came up busting and I threw my jerk bait in there and caught it and had a two pounder on there with it. I had a double and the two pounder came off, which was fine. And I swung the big one in the boat. So, you know, I, I really couldn't complain, but the pan optics, I mean, it made me look at a group of fish that I normally wouldn't look at, you know, normally I'm just like, Oh, suspended fish, not even going to bother. But yeah it opened up a whole nother opportunity to go out there and have a solid finish at a 223 to finish 55th was not good enough to get a check, but it was pretty good for points. And yeah. it wasn't a total bust, you know, yeah. I, I'm in, still in 31st and points in the central opens now with Neely Henry coming up next in October. <laughs> so that's in my wheelhouse. That's in your wheelhouse. Oh, wow. Right in your backyard, yeah. man. Yep. And Neely's been fishing really tough lately. The yeah. coast up there only took like 33 pounds to win. But it's in the end of October, so things should be getting much, much better. And I, I kind of, I had, I missed this last rain that we got there, which I was kind of bummed. And I know it's about to rain again in Alabama, so mm-hmm. I'm yeah, expecting there should yeah. be honestly some good deep fish right now um, yeah. on Logan. I talked to one of my buddies that said he's been finding some fish in schools again, just because mm-hmm. the currents picked up, so they started positioning properly again. And yeah. uh, that's something that definitely one of those deals that's kind of a late summer, early fall thing where people think you know you you can catch them shallow like crazy, and you can. Um, catching better shallow than you could in a hot summer, but there's still a lot of fish that when that current gets rolling, those spots will group up again offshore, and that's going to be a great way to catch a solid bag of them pretty quick, you know? Yeah, absolutely, and and, and so that's that's kind of what you, you feel like is going on back <laughs> home on Logan Martin is there's still a good deep bite going because of yeah. really, as as you mentioned, we've had a lot of rain lately, and we've had a, a lot of heavy rain, so the Army Corps of Engineers obviously moving water around the state, getting it down 
out into the Gulf. And uh, obviously the, the Gulf has been pounded lately, but that water kind of comes in and out because it's at the end of the system to begin with. And so the deep bite is kind of on in, in a way, these, these current yeah. systems. So, you know, how do you, how do you attack that this time of year? I know, I mean, a lot, a lot of times the deep bite in the summer is low and slow and you know the deep bite coming into the spring is a little bit more active and, and cranking and things like that yeah how, how do you attack the deep bite during during this fall transition there's one thing about spotted bass and that fact is they'll always eat a ned rig and so you can catch them on a ned rig and stuff like that offshore i also catch them on a jigging spoon a lot this time of year <laughs> um, finding them in schools when they start showing back up on mm-hmm. their schools and i've got them on a jigging spoon good and then one of my favorite ways to catch them out there, you know, drop shot works, that kind of stuff. That little Demiki style rig with the Streaks 375 on the finesse size. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. It's a brand new jig head and it's really a sweet little head. But, you know, that Ned Miki, that little compact minnow style bait is one of those things that I just have full confidence that a shad eating fish, if I flush, like kind of float that thing over one's head and bounce it over the bottom and then float it over their head, they're going to eat that little minnow. Yeah. So, that's just that's just one of my go-to confidence things. And you can catch them on swim baits and stuff like that. But if you're not fishing deep right now, the other couple key patterns, a lot of guys are catching them up under the dam, um, up under the Neely Dam from what I've heard in the last couple of tournaments. And uh, they're just fishing up there all day long and just grinding out five bites and having five good ones, you know, or maybe yeah. catching 20 fish in a day. But that up under the dams on the whole Coosa River system, there's a lot of big fish that live up there. And that's not a secret anymore. It used to be a kind of a secret and a lot of tournaments are one like that. But over the last five, 10 years, people have figured out that you can catch some absolute giants year round up under the dam. And if you commit to that area, you know, they're not big areas. So if you commit to those areas and really work them thoroughly, you can figure out what they're doing. There's not as many places for the fish to hide up there under those dams as there is on a big open, you know, main body of water, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So let's go back to the deep water real quick. You said something that really kind of catch catch spotted bass on on a Ned rig any time of year, all the time. Go to yeah, you know. But uh, for those of you who don't know about the Ned rig, the Ned rig is traditionally a very light weight rig, and you're saying out mm-hmm. deep. And you're talking about the truck passing you, but we have a big old train here at our, at our office, <laughs> and it is blasted okay. by right now. But there you go. Um, uh, but that's the, old, that's the old 239 right on time. Or right, on time. right on time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, two, the 239, 439, 339, yeah. it is all day long. Depending on where you are in the country. Yeah, it, it's all day long. But, you know, when the fish are out deep and you're throwing a Ned Rig, are you are you changing that? Or are you just letting that baby sink, just free-spooling it? And There's just, lots of – yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot to be said for fishing a lightweight bait, um, especially on that Demiki style where that mm-hmm. thing has a slower fall and it kind of spirals as it falls and it, it stays in the strike zone a little longer. Mm-hmm. But if I'm fishing like a school where they're positioned on the bottom or brush or anything like that out deep, I normally throw a one six ounce and I throw the one six ounce Ned locks and I actually rig mine weedless, like a little Texas rig uh, mm-hmm. with a t- finesse TRD on it. And uh, just like a little miniature shaky head pretty much. So yeah. that's, that's kind of my go-to if I'm, and the brush bite doing that has been really good right before I left. It was about a week ago. I caught several nice ones doing that and just pan optixing brush that was in like 12 to 18 feet of water and pinpointing where it was and throwing it in there. And you could see the fish were in there and you could see it was active with bait and everything. And they would thump that Ned rig when it fell down into the brush piles. So that's another one of those patterns that's really good. And then you can also catch them on docks this time of year. There's a lot of options. That's one of the coolest things about fall for guiding mm-hmm. is there's not a single day that goes by that time of year and really all year long on the Coosa where I can catch a fish in a foot of water in the morning and I can go throw like a weightless fluke and 
a buzz bait and top whopper plopper stuff like that and catch them and then i can go out in 20 like 15 to 20 and catch them every single day so it's yeah. a really unique time to learn because and then if you want to learn how to flip docks you can go flip docks if you want to learn how to do anything you can do it when it's this time of year we got some decent flow going like kind of everything is happening you know mm-hmm. yeah there's not a bad pattern this time of year Absolutely. And guys, I don't know if you've never been out with Joey, you need to because one, he's got to be awesome because we can't ever get his butt on the show because the dude guides like every single day. So he's a busy, uh, day busy. He, he's a busy guy on top of his competitive career. And, 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 and are you still doing your TV show? Is that, is that still rolling? Yeah. Or, so, yeah, you know, this is something I'm really excited about. Actually, we're going to, I'm going to get to film on the Coosa. We're doing like five episodes that are going to be mixing with the Coosa river. I'm thinking we're probably going to do one on or one or two on Logan and then might go down to Mitchell for an episode. Mm-hmm. and maybe lay and so i'm really excited we're actually gonna be filming that in the middle of october uh, right awesome. before my open tournament so yeah that'll be great to get some more good quality tv content and yeah. teaching uh, on the kusa which is something that i get to stay in my own house and get to go beautiful fish on places i know yeah well there's so a reason a he's booked up all the time water. Uh, he's booked up all the time because he catches fish. Oh yeah, he's he always. Ah, catches fish. I do catch fish normally. The dude, <laughs> the dude, he guides and then he just he goes right back out and fishes some more. I mean, he's just constantly fishing. Yeah. So well, uh, I feel like a huge part of my responsibility is taking my kids fishing too. So I'll go a lot of the time. I'll go guide all day, and when when the weather's nice like this, my wife will meet me at the boat ramp when I'm done guiding. I'll take the boys out and her out. It's one of the biggest things. I feel like I'm ob- not not that it's a bad thing, but I'm so I feel such an obligation to let my kids have every opportunity to love fishing too. So, and they both do, Yeah, which is pretty cool. They've been catching my son. Zeke caught a four pounder this morning out of, in a, in that deep milfoil. That's amazing. He nailed a four pounder and it, I mean, it was the coolest bite. It was just, you could see it got heavy and he detected it right away between the weeds and the fish. He knew it was a fish Yeah, and he set the hook perfect and pegged the fish just right and landed the four pounder. And I mean, it was like <laughs> beautiful, super cool. He was fired up. So yeah, Proud. that's the most rewarding thing is seeing them catch him and love it. And, that's good. So man. That's been pretty cool too. Yeah. Well, man, we want to let you get back to hanging out with your family up in Washington. Thank you so All much right. for being on the show. Before you jump off, though, uh, tell everybody about you know how to get a hold of you, guide, and tell them about your TV show. Mm-hmm. Give, give them all the ins and outs about what's going on in your life, and they can follow you, and then obviously uh, hook up awesome. with you, maybe uh, get, get a guide trip out on the Kusa. Yeah, I'm gonna have a lot of time this fall. Uh, October's pretty tight, but I've got some days in November, December. I'll be pretty open, which is great, and I'll be able to get lots of trips in and. If you guys want to keep up and if you want to reach out to me, you can message me on Instagram or Facebook on my Joey fishing pages. And then I've also got a Joey, Joey Nania YouTube page. And then I've got my website, which is Joey at joeyfishing.com. So joeyfishing.com is where you guys can send me an email or whatever and kind of keep up with what I'm doing also through that. Yeah, I got lots of, lots of outlets if anybody wants to get in touch with me. Absolutely. And, and tell them where, where does Sweetwater air? That's, that's your TV show, your fishing show you do with um, Sonar. What, what's his first name? Yeah. Miles. Miles, that's it. Yeah, Miles, um, Miles Berghoff. Yeah, we, we've yeah. been doing that together for six years. And uh, Sweetwater's on Sportsman Channel. The easiest way to watch is is on waypointtv.com, which is like a streaming app. And you can just go to their website. And it's got thousands of fishing shows on there. Mm-hmm. So all 60, I think it's 68 of our episodes we filmed are on uh, Waypoint. So you guys can watch those anytime you want to. And all the new episodes will be popping up there in the next probably... I would say it'll be like maybe December, January, the new episodes will be coming up on there. But yeah, Waypoint TV is a really, really great way to be able to watch it and stream it on your TV or whatever device you want to watch it on. That's good Absolutely. stuff, man. Well, thanks for sharing that information. And guys, y'all give Joey a call if, if you want to get on that Kusa 
uh, system and, and learn and catch some fish. He is the guy, so reach out to him. Joey, man, as always, thank you so much for getting on and, and giving us some time, especially while you're up on vacation, trying to do a little vacation fishing. And, uh, man, stay safe. And uh, on the way back to Alabama, and we look forward to talking to you again next time. Thanks, guys. We'll try to jump on again next month. Sounds right. good, buddy. Thank you. All right. Y'all have a good one. All right. You too. Good stuff, man. That guy catches fish on the Coosa system. And it sounds like he catches them everywhere else, too, yeah. man. I love having him on. Guy's got some knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Joey's a great guy. Great family man. He, too, I love seeing his social media of him investing in his kids and spending a lot of time in God's creation. And I do envy him a little bit. He does spend the time up north fishing. And it's something that uh, I, I did in my younger career. Haven't got to do as much in the last several years. But definitely want to get back to fishing up north. It's we have amazing fishing in the south, but so <laughs> during this time of year, it's pretty amazing up there as well. It's so, just cool to go somewhere different sometimes yeah, too and see a different experience, I, different ways. I love tra- I, what I used to call travel fishing. I love travel fishing. Absolutely. So, well, speaking of travel, let's travel down. I've been looking forward to this segment today all day, by the way, since so we found out we could get him on. But are we talking to Captain Wayne Miller? And and the, and the Delta just went through some really bad weather down there, I'm sure, and, and I'm looking forward to hearing. Captain Wayne, you with us? Man, I'm with y'all. How are you doing today? We're glad to hear your voice, yeah. man. We're just glad you're okay. Yeah, man, I tell you what, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing. Of course, you know, living down here, we're... Yeah, you hate to ever use a nomenclature that you're used to it, but we never enjoy them. But you have to be prepared, and and you know that. I mean, occasionally your number's gonna come up, and you're gonna you're gonna have to suffer one of these hurricanes. And uh, fortunately for the Delta itself, you know it had very little impact on it, and that was strictly due to the fact that at the very last minute, as that hurricane strengthened, it also took a tremendous jaunt to the east mm-hmm. and uh, really sent that eye wall up on the east side of the delta. And typically what we see when we have one that's really bad is when we're on the, obviously, the east side of that eye wall where you've got tremendous influx of salt water being pushed up in the delta. Uh, we saw just the opposite of that based on where we were located in relation to the eye of the hurricane, we actually had a north wind. And there's not much you can find uh, humorous, obviously, about a hurricane, but I had people call me and they were just absolutely amazed because the river reading that we go by for the Mobile River, which is the western side of the delta, the Mobile River, the reading we typically look at is called the Berry Steam Plant reading. And that reading this time of year typically varies anywhere from two and a half, three feet to maybe four and a half feet. Well, it was at four and a half feet that Tuesday. Wednesday, it went to zero. What? It pulled all the water out of there. It literally dumped the water out of this delta. It was just absolutely incredible. I would love to have gone out on the delta that day Uh, And I would have, but I literally could not find anywhere that you could even remotely get close to any water to put a boat, even a small boat, in the water. Man, I bet it had all those fish just conjugated in the water. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It really did. Fish in a barrel. 
And, you know, the good thing about that is these fish are used to big tide swings. So for them to have to drop back off on a ledge or into deep water and then move back up is just commonplace. So from the standpoint of the impact, long-term impact on the fishery, I don't think we saw any real detrimental effect. Now, one thing that was really interesting, and and I'd like to convey this to everybody because it's something that that even I had never witnessed before because I've never seen the water pulled out of this delta like it was. I mean, I've fished this place for uh, 40 years now, but uh, I've never seen the water pull down like it was. But one thing we did see out on the main rivers, a lot of the banks where you had outside swings on main rivers, and most people understand that concept where you'll have undercut banks. And you'll have deep water right up against the bank. And these are areas that are typically extremely good to fish. I mean, in some of our reports, we've even talked about it here recently. But a lot of those areas got so much water pulled down off of them with the lack of that hydraulic pressure from the water pushing against these banks. We saw massive, you know, areas where the river banks just sloughed off into the river. Uh, And it was so, it was so incredible because you'll have cypress trees that are 60, 80 feet tall that are now 75 feet out in the river, but they're still standing straight up. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, it's really incredible to witness that. So, um, you know, the aftermath from the standpoint of what the hurricane did from the standpoint of the Delta was not really detrimental from the standpoint of the fishery. Now, it did, it moved some landscape around, that's for sure. The bad part of the hurricane is, man, when you get down on the lower end, Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, on into the Florida panhandle, I mean, those people just got incredible volumes of water, you know, pushed up on them. And, and the really sad thing was they anticipated a four to five foot rise you know with the hurricane gaining strength right there at the end and changing direction it really caught a lot of people by surprise so there's just tremendous carnage down there and there was very minimal loss of life and that was one tremendous blessing because you know we just have such tremendous forecast ability now on these storms you know it's really kind of hard to catch people by surprise we we get a lot of good information and uh you know they can't always tell exactly how those storms are going to react you know we know days in advance and you know people can really prepare and you see that nowadays and and you know it really minimizes the uh, loss of life but right now it's it's still a struggle there's a ton of people down there still without power and and just pretty much total devastation from the standpoint of a lot of homes. Yeah, it was a lot of damage down there. And, you know, you're right. I was just after that last hurricane came into Louisiana to the Lake Charles area and made a comment to, to my wife and, and to some other people. I'm like, man, these guys are so good now at predicting when it's going to hit, exactly where the eyes going to be. And lo and behold, this storm here, man, just the, it just came in. The Gulf Shores area and Mobile area, they didn't. They, 
It took them by surprise. I mean, that thing sat out there forever and just wandered back and forth, and and uh, yeah. they missed it a little bit, and that's that's rare. But thankfully, thankfully, there was no loss of life, and there obviously was a ton of damage, and, and I've got a lot of friends down there. Yeah. Homes are damaged and boats are damaged, but you know I was really thinking, uh, uh, thinking about you on this deal as well because I, I think it was just a couple times ago we had you on. We were talking about the what a what a hurricane can do to to the fishery down in the bay and how devastating it can be if all that salt water gets pushed in there. Yeah, so it man. is really good to hear that that did not occur. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it really was from the standpoint of the fishery, it was a tremendous blessing that we didn't see that m- massive push of salt water because, you know, uh, basically what it does is it'll decimate the aquatic vegetation in a lot of these creeks and, and bays and it takes years for that to recover and uh you know something else when that water really gets pushed up in these creeks and bays and everything especially up in the middle delta is we'll have tremendous amount of uh, vegetation from the standpoint of leaves and debris that get blown up in those uh, areas as that deteriorates uh, mm-hmm. you have a loss of oxygen in the water and you'll see pretty massive fish kills so, you know, we didn't have that deal with also. We were, you know, really fortunate. You're on the right side of the storm, thankful. that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically what it amounts to. I mean, you uh, and we were really bracing because from all indications, we were going to catch it. The actual delta itself, um, you know, came out in, in pretty good shape. Well, have you been fishing since the storm? Well, uh, you know, the fishing's actually been pretty good. I mean, i um, I spent a whole day out yesterday and, and had a had a really good day. Uh, obviously, we did get some rain, you know, w- associated with the hurricane. So we did see um, the main rivers have, have stained up some. So I primarily stayed in the middle delta yesterday and, and fished in some of the bigger lakes off the main rivers. You know, I went way back up in some of the creeks in these lakes. And, uh, you know, I saw water temperatures down as low as 72 degrees. You know, we've seen a pretty significant drop in the water temperature. And, uh, you know, I had a, a fantastic day yesterday with spinnerbait and with a bladed jig. Uh, it's just, we're transitioning into that time of year down here where, uh, and really power fish. I mean, you can take small spinnerbaits, buzzbait, crankbaits, and and uh, obviously a, a bladed jig is a really good weapon that i use quite a bit because man I've, I've gained a tremendous amount of confidence over the last couple of years and really gotten where i uh, vary not only the sizes and colors but uh you know it's a, a fantastic bait uh, because you can alter the the speed the amount of uh vibration not only with the blade but also with the trailers that you use on it a real versatile bait and i love to use it down here you know we um really anticipate you know the fishing just to stay strong and get even better as we transition to the end of september because october and november down here is typically our premier you know months from the standpoint of both numbers and quality i, I love it when you start talking about a bladed jig because i too have kind of fallen in love with it over the last i would say five years and just have built so much confidence in it and and i love to 
you know, hear, hear how well it can perform even in a, a system like that you live in that we've talked before in the past just can be drastically different can throw people yeah. a lot of people off and spin them out and so <laughs> yeah. um, you know, are you guiding a lot right now or or are you just fishing i'm starting to book some trips now but obviously you know i mean uh, over the last couple of weeks we've had with all the the bad weather and the hurricanes, I mean, people are obviously not focused on trying to get out there and go fishing, mm-hmm. but as far as trips go, but I'm still going, you know, I mean, I, I'm still fishing at least four to six days a week. You know, I spend a lot of time on the Delta and uh, it's like I say, as we transition and this water cools off, you know, we'll see uh, because there's still phenomenal numbers of shrimp you know, moving up in the lower delta. And uh, as we see that happen every year going into October, it just makes uh, the fishing really explode. I mean, it gets uh, really good. And I, you know, I'll transition really away from that middle delta and I'll pretty much spend all my time down along that causeway. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, people will definitely get back to to fishing down there, and it, and when they do, how, tell them how they can get in touch with you. Uh, Captain Miller is does such a great job uh, on our show, which to me translates that he he really knows what's going on down there, and I think you'll have a great time fishing with him. Uh, if somebody wanted to come fish with you, how can they run you down? Uh, they can reach me at 251-455-7404. You know, I do both half-day and full-day trips, and I do a lot of live bait trips as we transition, you know, further into the fall. And a lot of people that have never done that before, I'd encourage you to try it. I mean, it's a lot of fun. You know, and we primarily use live shrimp. It's something that's pretty unique to this area, but it's it's really productive. Well, and I, I hope the, the listeners heard what you said just a second ago is that your prime time is, is for the Delta is, is upon us here. And, and uh, yeah. it's just going to get better and better over the next few weeks. And so if you have ever wanted to come down to the Delta and fish, you need to start thinking about it and reach out to Captain Wayne and, and give him a call and book a trip because the, the time is now for you to be getting down there to catch them. Captain Wayne, man, we appreciate it as always. Thank you very much. Glad to hear that you uh, and your family are safe. And, and man, that's good news to hear about the, the Delta as well. So thank you for sharing. Okay, guys. Y'all have a great one. All right, man. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Yeah, man, that is really good news for the Delta because I was totally not expecting that phone call. Uh, I was expecting him to, to say that uh, yeah. that it was vice versa. Yeah, the opposite, and then it was going to take about three years for it to come back or more. So very good news uh, on that end to know that the the fishery is alive and well in the Mobile Delta. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was awesome. Good stuff. Well, let's move to the other end of the state. Let's go up to Gunnersville with Tim Chandler. Tim, are you with us, man? Yes, sir. 
And we are glad to have you, brother. We're somebody we've, we've been trying to uh, to get this guy on for a while, so we are fired <laughs> up that yeah. we finally made the connection. And, and I tell you one thing we didn't hope it helps you, Tim, and help others is we were recording this show earlier in the day, like around 11, and, and it just seemed that a lot of you guys were still out there guiding and fishing, so we've, we've kind of moved our time back. So we hope that makes it more convenient for everybody. It does, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Uh, Tim, uh, you're guiding on Gunnersville, is that cor- correct? Yes, sir. Tell us what's going on on the big G-Ville right now. Well, I mean, it's uh, fishing is kind of fair right now. It's, it's this cooler weather that we're supposed to get typically kind of ignites them a little bit. You know, uh, you're looking at the long-range forecast, if you believe what they say. Most of the time, I'm good as they are, but... Uh, <laughs> They're saying, you know, in the 40s next week, and that's really what we need. You know, lows in the 40s, highs in the low 70s. That's That usually gets the shad moving towards the backs of the creeks on Gunnersville. Uh, they'll ball knuck around the bridges and stuff. You know, a lot of people fish those bridges. I don't fish them, but it also it just gets the shad moving, and it also puts the bluegill up shallower and the grass mats. It gets that frog bite going. And that's what everybody really looks forward to in the fall on Gunners was the frog bite. Absolutely. The frog bite is is world renowned. Tell us about what that transition looks like, what what to expect, how to approach the frog bite come definitely October, even I mean with the weather changing now, which it's early. It's at, you know, our cold, these cold fronts are definitely ahead of schedule normally, at least in the last six or eight years how how will it transition and, and and how do we approach that how, how do we transition into that that phenomenal frog bite on Gunnersville? well you just kind of have to go out there and just keep trying it and listening listening is the biggest thing on frog bite because the bluegill move to the grass and they start eating the little bugs and insects and stuff off the grass and you could hear it mm-hmm. it's popping kissing it sounds like rice krispie treats everybody's ate a bowl of rice krispie treats before mm-hmm. that's exactly what it sounds like yeah. And just because you hear that doesn't mean that's where the fish are going to be, but that definitely tells you that's where the food source is. And yeah. it's usually not too long after that, those big old bass, they kind of move up in there and start feeding on the uh, on the bluegill and stuff. Everybody says frog bite, frog bite. It's funny because those fish really don't think that's a frog. They yeah, think, think it's, it's a bluegill. Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and it's, it's like, if you get out there and fish enough and you put enough time on the water, one yeah. of the days you'll see one get knocked up on the mat. Yeah. And that little bluegill gets hit up on the mat, and he's scared or whatever. Yeah. And he sits there, and he shakes, and he moves until he can get his way back down under that mat. And that's exactly what they yeah. think that frog is. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons, I guess, from a, I guess, a psychological standpoint. I've actually, in the recent years, because I kind of had that revelation too, Tim, like, it's not a frog. They're, they're eating brim. I've started throwing yeah. the, the striking brand is what I throw, the, their popping perch because it's yep. it's it's painted more like a fish versus a frog and again right. I, a lot of times they're busting silhouettes and just you know movement but again from a psychological standpoint it makes more sense <laughs> because it, it's not they're not eating frogs they're they're eating brim that are working their way through those through, through those the matted grass and the lily pads and get caught up in them and and, and you're exactly right. right and and you're right about that popping about 10 years ago Gerald Swindle and I are friends and I was young in my career and I was trying to figure out how to fish and down in Florida and this vegetation on gunners while he's and he shared that with me about 10 years ago is like listen if you pull up yep. to an area and there's no popping if there's no 
Yeah, there's no there's no bait. The bait's not up in there, and the fish aren't going to be in there. And like you say, Tim, you're not necessarily going to catch them where you hear the popping, but it's it's a That's great right. great way to eliminate water because <laughs> if there's no popping, yep. you probably ain't going to catch them, and you eventually will. So that's thanks for sharing that because I've actually lived that out in my life of that's really how I eliminate water when I'm fishing lakes like Gunners where there's a lot of vegetation and I'm trying to get a topwater bite. Yeah, and I've heard it. I've, I've heard that before. I know exactly what he's talking about yep. with that popping, but yep. I didn't necessarily know what to do with it when I heard it. <laughs> I just, yeah. But I knew what it was. I knew it was rims and, you know, feeding. But, yeah, uh, right. but yeah, if you get in the right mat, it's so loud, you can't even hardly hear your partner in the back of the boat talk. Yeah. That's how that's, loud it can be. Oh, wow. That's when you get excited, yeah. So when yeah. you're when you're fishing a, a, a frog in these mats, I'm trying to picture this in my mind. Is it more of a, a burning it through there, fairly fast, steady retrieve, or is it more of a pop, stop, pop, stop type thing? Well, I prefer the pop, stop. It's kind of like a drag. It's kind of like working a uh, just kind of what I would call sweeping a jerkbait. You're just sliding it across the foot, two at a foot at a time and stopping. Now, we, we do a lot of burning, too, and that's mainly when we're just looking for them. You know, we're not we're so much in it when we're worried about catching them if we have a term or whatnot. We'll throw it out there and just reel it in because if one blows up on it, 99% of the time when you're burning it, he's going to miss it. And that's good because you say, okay, well, they're right here. We just move on, move on. But whenever you get ready to catch them, I, I like to slow it down because, I mean, the bluegill gets knocked up on the mat. He's not scaring across there real quick. He's, he's just sitting there just kind of shaking, trying to get his way back down in there. Yeah, absolutely. So have you – I mean, I know we're in the midst of the transition. Have you seen – uh, any of that frog, quote unquote, frog bite, brim bite, kick in, or, or are we still in that transition period? We're still, in, we're still in the transition. I mean, we we need a good shot of cold weather where you mm-hmm. say, "Oh, it's cool." Where's my jacket? You know, we need, we yeah. need that. And uh, uh, once yeah. we get that, it'll, it'll start helping on the frog bite. But the frog bite's not the only thing out there on Gunners Club that'll be going on. That's just one of the things. Yeah. And mainly the thing that out-of-towners come and really want to do, because majority of the lakes in the country can't do that on. So that, that, they, they hear about it, they see about it, they see it on TV, on YouTube, and they want to try it. Yeah. So So tell us, we're in this transition. Like you said, there's other things going on. We're not quite there. What what are what are some other ways to tackle the lake right now if a guy's you know wanting to come take a trip with you or, or just get out there and fish and you know, what what are some other ways he can tackle Gunnersville? Well, it's going to be about the shad, you know, thread thin shad. That's the, that's our main forward. And um, you got top water, you know, big spooks, pop ours, you know, stuff like that. Fluke style baits, you know, soft jerk baits, square square bill running crank baits, anything that kind of resemble a shad, a swim jig is really good. You know, and there's even days if we get some cloud cloud covering, kind of like today where you're kind of rainy, spinner bait can really shine, chatter bait can shine. It, it's it's all about look, looking for that. Uh, you're necessarily looking for the shad. You're just kind of mimicking the shad because the shad can be anywhere. You know, we kind of move towards the backs of the pockets. We kind of get off the river because that's where the shad are, are heading. So there's more than there's more than just just a frog bite going on though. Actually, the the top water bite usually gets really really good late September, pretty much all October. And I'm not saying you can just go anywhere and catch them. It just it just does get good in certain areas. Do you see Do you see the fall? You know, Gunners was a gigantic lake. I mean, and it it really has a lot of different uh, personalities as you kind of go up and down the lake. Do Do you see the southern end, the northern end, the goose pond area shine more than than others during the fall or is it kind of like the spring where 
and you kind of follow a, the, the weather changing pattern, you can kind of follow the fish up the lake or down the lake. That's right. Well, you can on frog fishing because 90% of your frog fishing is from Goose Pond North. Yep. You know, the, the grass has changed over the years on Gunnersville. We don't have the, the monster hydrilla and the monster millpool mats anymore because the eelgrasses took over all that stuff, and it mm. don't mat up, you know. Yeah. So to find the hydrilla and the millfoil, you, you pretty much got to go north of South Saudi Goose Pond area to find that kind of frog grass. And, um, you know, I kind of stay down, to me, more south of Goose Pond to find find the better topwater action. You know, yeah. it's more of the scattered, the scattered, broke up stuff. Yeah, they so don't have the grass mats down there. No, we have the grass. We just it just doesn't match up to the seal grass. It's just a different grass. So you're able to run those top water walking baits and uh, over the top of it or you know nicking it and right. things like that yeah so it's right. so it's not it's not that the grass the eelgrass is bad it's changed the the way you approach the lake when it comes to matted grass which you pushed you oh forward. absolutely yeah absolutely yeah yeah which a lot of people disagree with you because eelgrass is bad it's bad when it's floating everywhere and that can be a pain if you've ever been out there fishing you, you get all these boats and I don't think they touch it up and it's floating oh, everywhere, yeah. man. And it's just like, if you throw a bait that's got three hooks on it, yeah. you, you, you're going to be pulling your hair out. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. You get in the wrong area. It's like, you, you just got to leave and come back an hour later hoping the wind kind of blew it away. But, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've experienced that down in Florida a lot. I've experienced it on Gunnersville where the, the eelgrass is so chopped up. It's just floating everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's really really difficult to fish effectively so well tim do you do you guide through through the winter into the fall i mean through the fall into the winter and and on on garnishville year round oh yeah we don't ever stop i mean i say we don't ever stop once deer season gets here you know rifle season gets around november you know people Mm -hmm. the tournaments are gone you know, so kind of people quit going crappie fishing's kind of kicked off and it's going and we do a few crappie trips not many I just, I don't want to. I take a lot of downtime in the winter myself to kind of recharge my batteries. You know right. what I mean? You, you do it all the time and you just kind of got to take a break. But yeah, yeah. We, we still, we still go, we still got during the winter time, just not as much. And it'll, it'll really pick back up about the end of January. Yeah. yeah every, every man needs a little time in the deer stand. You got to take a break well, from the I boat every now and then. I don't care nothing about deer hunting, but I do like to go crappie fishing for myself and just kind of hang out with my buddies, which I don't ever get to do during the regular season. You know, it's just fish, fish, fish all the time. You don't get to hang out with them. And I could take off and just kind of go with my buddies and, and hang out and recharge that way and take my there wife. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Tim, uh, t- tell us, tell tell the folks how, I mean, the, the, the good fall bite's coming. You know, there's still a lot of great fishing to be happening before we cut out for hunting season. How, how can the guys get in touch with you and uh, book a trip with you, come spend a day on lake or a half day with you, kind of picking Gunnersville apart? Well, the best way to do is probably just, uh, you can either text me or call me on my, on my cell number, which is 256-655-8292, or you can go to my website, which is milldrillofishing.com. You'll never know how to spell it, so just Google Tim Chandler's Pro Guide Service. You'll find it. <laughs> the there you go, Tim Chandler's Pro Guide <laughs> Service. Just Google that. There you go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the fish is going to be good, and it ain't just going to be good. I mean, you got Wilson and, and Pickwick for live bait trips on smallmouth. That's about to get going wide open. Absolutely. I mean, that's really good fishing. And Absolutely. about two more to three more weeks, Smith Lake and them monster spotted bass are going to be on fire, too. Yeah, absolutely it's just a great time to get ready to go fishing oh, it really is and it's, I mean, it's really tough be, being a for me i'm a avid i'm an avid outdoorsman i'm an avid fisherman but i'm also an avid hunter 
And this is a tough time of year because, like, fish spot. Yeah, yeah. Man, ooh, the field's full of the doveys. Uh, let's, go, let's go shoot some yeah. doves. Oh, man, let's run down, let's run down here. Uh, let's go over to the duck hole, see, see how, how the – I mean, it's just constant back and forth. Yep. Like, you know, where, where do we go? When do we go? How do we go? The fall is beautiful, but also – We got options, know, though. That's a good thing. We do, but sometimes yeah. I wish I was like Tim. Tim, Tim doesn't really care to deer hunt. Cause I could just keep fishing, you know. So, yeah, so but yeah, um, keep fishing. Well, well, Tim, thanks for getting on with this, man. I know it's been uh, difficult because uh, in the past we've tried a few times. So I love that we we've gotten you on, and uh, you know, uh, guys, y'all go out and reach out to Tim and get a trip. I mean, if uh, Gunnersville's an amazing lake, you you've heard it for decades. It, it truly is. But I always encourage guys who are not super familiar with it and to, to call a guide and spend the day on the lake with some guys because it's it, a big lake. It's a big lake. As amazing as it is, you still can't just show up and expect to do what you see on YouTube, what you see on TV, what you see these guys doing like Tim who spend every day on the lake and really know. So you guys call Tim, go spend the day on the lake with him. And I, I think you will experience Gunnersville in a way that you never would without him. And it'd be a phenomenal, a memorable experience for you. So y'all, y'all give Tim a call, man. Thanks for your time today. We appreciate you too. Hey man, thanks for, thanks for letting me be on. Appreciate it. Good Look forward right. to talking to you again, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right. Bye-bye. See ya. Great show. I mean, things are heating up. We've been waiting on this. Which is kind of an oxymoron because things are cooling, cooling down, off. which are making things heat up. <laughs> exactly. So it really is. The uh, fishing, the outdoors, this fall is a beautiful, beautiful time of the year. I really believe God created all the seasons. He was probably most happy uh, with the fall, uh, most pleased with the fall. I know uh, I was. Because it was, is, uh, yeah. it, it really, I mean, springtime's awesome, but I'm telling you, the fall, the only thing I don't, the only thing I wish we had in Alabama was a longer fall because we tend to transition really fast. Really quick. And I wish it was more like some of the northern states. They they have a really nice fall transition that, that, that really starts back in August. Right. Right. And, and that's the only thing I, I hate about Alabama. Well, and you know, my wife being from Iowa, she talks about that all the time. Oh, She's like, yeah. I love Alabama. I'm not going to move back to the Midwest where those frigid winters are, but I miss the seasons and the yeah, long fall. Yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, but man, I tell you, you can hear it. You can really hear it in everybody's voice that we have on, that we had on today. You can just hear the, the, the happiness about the fall and the excitement about what was going on out there. Cause, uh, couple months ago in the midsummer everybody's just kind of like dragging and and it's hot and it's and the fishing's tough but man everybody sounds really encouraged right now and, absolutely and uh so guys get ready to get out there uh it's it's heated up now i mean it's or cooled off now but uh it is it's time to get on the water uh so reach out to any of these guys we have on the show they would love to hear from you and I'd uh, love to take you and, and put you on some fish and fish and, and teach you a little something at the same time. So another great show, Stephen. Enjoyed it, man. Yeah. Glad we got to get on today. And uh, that is going to be a wrap for this week. So please, guys, subscribe, rate, and drop us a review. We love the reviews. It really helps us. So we say that every week. But seriously, drop us a review. It'll be greatly appreciated. 
man, if you if you want us to email you the podcast, we can also do that. So each and each and every week, if you just go over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash AFFR, and we'll send you the show each week. So thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks, Stephen. Enjoyed it. And we are out. See y'all next time. See you guys. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and and give Norman a call. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.